نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ما يهده الله فلا مضل لا وما يذلل فلا هادي لا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يتع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار We continue with the explanation of the creed of Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah by the noble Sheikh Muhammad ibn Saleh al-Uthaymeen رحمه الله تعالى رحمة واسعة And we left off covering the benefits from the verse that deals with the keys of the unseen. And so far we covered the matter that Allah is the one who knows when the day of judgment will be. And this is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has this knowledge. As we covered, the, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself, as well as the angel Jibreel, both of them, and they are the best of the messengers. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he's the best messenger of mankind. And Jibreel alayhi salam is also the messenger of Allah from amongst the angels. And he's the best of the malaika. Even them two being upon the high status that they have, they are not aware of the day of judgment, when it will be. Also we covered that Allah is the one who sends down the rain which brings forth the produce out of the earth. No one knows when this is going to take place. 
for the knowledge is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. We also covered <coughs> that no one knows that which is in the wombs. When a woman becomes pregnant, Allah is the one who is all aware of the condition of the embryo. Allah knows from the beginning of the pregnancy and prior to that. But Allah knows whether the child is going to be a male or female. Allah knows how long the child will live. Allah knows whether the child will be a person of righteousness or a person of evil. Allah knows how much that child will earn. And other than that, from the affairs of the child, and this is if the child lives through the pregnancy and is born alive. And Allah knows those children or the embryos that will be miscarried. Allah knows those embryos or children that will be stillborn and other than that. So the full and complete and total knowledge is with Allah Azza wa The fourth matter, the Shaykh says, أن الإنسان لا يعلم ماذا يكسب غدا وإن قدر أنه سيفعل كذا فإنه لا يعلم هل يحصل أو لا ولهذا قال الله تعالى لنبيه صلى الله عليه وسلم ولا تقولن لشيء إني فاعل ذلك غدا إلا أن يشاء الله Shaykh Uthaymeen Rahimahullah Ta'ala He states In the fourth matter Meaning from the matters of the unseen That the person does not know What he or she is going to earn tomorrow No one knows What's going to take place For them tomorrow And if Allah Decrees that the person does a matter or he's going to do a matter. The person himself does not know what's going to be the outcome. He doesn't know what's going to be the outcome. Tomorrow, or let's say tonight, the person has the intention to go to Jumu'ah tomorrow. And he says, I'm going to make Jumu'ah a Masjid Fawzah. Or, I'm going to make Jumu'ah a Masjid Nurullah. Or any other Masjid. But then the individual wakes up late. Or later than he wanted. He didn't get an early start. So now due to him not getting an early start, if he tries to go to Masjid al-Fawzan or to Masjid al-Allah any other Masjid he wanted to go to that's going to take some time for him to get to he will miss Jumu'ah so now he has to go to the Masjid that's right around the corner from his house 
He didn't know that that was going to happen. He didn't plan for it to happen. And now that he realizes he has to go to the local masjid, he doesn't know what's going to happen and what's going to be said in the khutbah. And who's going to be present there, given the khutbah. He goes to the masjid, and behold, the person he wanted to go and listen to, at masjid Fawzan, or at masjid Nu'Allah, any other masjid, he's given the khutbah right there at the local masjid. He didn't even know. But Allah knows. Prior to it taking place. But this is just an example to show how limited the knowledge of a person is. We have knowledge. We are intelligent human beings. However, there is a limit to our intelligence. There is a limit to our knowledge. We don't have complete, unrestricted knowledge. We don't have complete, unrestricted knowledge. Yes. Um, is it true that we only use 10% of our brain? Allah knows best. Maybe each, each person uses a certain amount. I don't know if we all use the same amount. You may use 80% of your brain because you ask some smart, intelligent questions. And then another person uses 5% of his brain. So I don't know. Allah knows best. The Sheikh goes on to say, well, either, or the Sheikh goes on to say, so for this, Allah the Most High, He has said to His Prophet, and do not say about a thing that I'm going to do that tomorrow, except that Allah wills. These verses establish it, these verses establish the legislation of saying, Insha'Allah. When a person mentions he's going to carry out an act or do something tomorrow. Insha'Allah. Meaning, if Allah wills, I will do such and such. And the word, Insha'Allah, it is, number one, connecting the success of the matter to Allah. Connecting the success or the matter taking place to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaykh Uthaymeen, he states, وَإِذَا قَالَ قَائِلٌ سَأَزُورُ فُلَانًا غَدًا فَهَلْ هَذَا يَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ سَيَزُورُ أَوْ يُخْبِرْ عَمَّا فِي ضَمِيرِهِ وَنِيَّتِهِ If a person says, I'm going to visit so-and-so tomorrow, does he know for sure that he's going to visit him? Or is it the case that he's just informing of that which is in his heart and in his intentions, that which he wants to do? The Shaykh says, Athani, la shak annahu yukhbir amma fi dhumirihi al-an. The Shaykh says, there's no doubt that the person is informing of that which is in his heart. At the moment. And the Shaykh says, 
أما إذا أراد بقوله سأزور فلان غدا يريد الزيارة بالفعل فهنا لابد أن يكون مقرونا بالمشيئة لقوله تعالى ولا تكونن لشيء إني فاعل ذلك غدا إلا أن يشاء الله وإنما يجب أن يقرنه بالمشيئة لأنه لا يدري هل يفعله أو لا يفعله أما إذا قال سأزور فلانا غدا يخبر عن نفسك يعني أفوان أما إذا قال سأزور فلانا غدا تخبر عن نفسك يعني هذه نيتي يقصد الإخبار أما في نفسي فيجوز بدون ذكر المشيئة ولهذا جاءت الآية الكريمة إني فاعل ذلك غدا قال فاعل أما إذا قال إني ناو أن أفعل ذلك غدا فهذا لا بت به Very important point Sheikh Uthaymeen is making here And brothers please pay attention closely Sheikh Uthaymeen he states No doubt it's the second matter that the person is informing of that which is in his heart at the moment so for this reason he said and for this if the person says I am going to visit so and so tomorrow and he does not intend the act he only intends to inform of his intentions then there is no harm if the person does not say inshallah again if the person says, I'm going to visit so-and-so tomorrow, and he does not intend that he's going to do the act, but he's only informing of his intentions, meaning I intend to visit so-and-so tomorrow. He's not saying, for sure I'm going to visit so-and-so tomorrow. I intend to visit so-and-so tomorrow. That's the meaning of, I'm going to visit so-and-so tomorrow. A brother's in a hospital. An announcement is made. Brother Abdullah, he's in Lincoln Hospital. Visiting hours is between, and the brother says, I'm going to visit uh, him tomorrow. Meaning he intends. In this case, if this is what the intent is, that he intends to visit him tomorrow, then he does not have to say inshallah, because he's only mentioning what his intentions are. However, if the person intends, when he says I'm going to visit so and so tomorrow, meaning he's going to do the act of visiting in this case it is a must that he adds to his statement or connects to his statement, inshallah so when you say that you're going to do something tomorrow and you intend the act you have to say inshallah but if you're just informing about your intentions, you don't have to say inshallah. You're just saying what you intend. It's like saying, I want to visit him. Or, I plan to visit him. Just making intentions. Just, or you're just mentioning your intentions. But now, I am going to visit him tomorrow. The int with the intent of the act, you have to say insha'Allah. The beautiful benefit from Shaykh Uthameen. He, say, he says, may Allah have mercy upon him, 
This is due to the statement of Allah. And do not say regarding anything that I am going to do that tomorrow except that Allah wills. The Shaykh says, indeed it is obligatory to connect the act to the will of Allah, the Mashiach. Because the person does not know whether or not he's going to do the act. As for when the person says, I'm going to visit so-and-so, you make this statement, and you're just informing of your intentions, or that which is within yourself. Meaning this is, you're saying this is my intent. Like you say, I intend to visit the brother tomorrow. And you're informing of that which is within yourself. In this case, it is permissible to say this without mentioning the will of Allah connected with it. What I'll say, inshallah. And so for this, the noble verse has come, look at the wording. Indeed, I will do that tomorrow. What's the key word here? I will. No. Indeed. Uh-uh. Uh, do. Do. Do is the key word here. Fa'il. Uh, one who does. One who carries out the action. But if you say, إِنِّنَاوِن Indeed, I intend. أَنْ أَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ غَذَا فَهَذَا لَا But if you say, Indeed, I intend to do such and such tomorrow, in this case, you don't have to say, Insha'Allah. There's no sin upon you if you don't say Insha'Allah. If a person doesn't say Insha'Allah when he means that he's going to do the action, what is the condition of this individual regarding him not saying Insha'Allah? Huh? It's a sin. How do we understand that based upon the verse and based upon what Shaykh Uthaymin said regarding when the person intends the act? How, how is it a sin? Yes. That's the point. Because the Shaykh, the Shaykh he mentions in وَإِنَّمَا يَجِبْ Indeed it is obligatory. Where does Shaykh Uthaymin extract from the verse that saying insha'Allah is obligatory. Thank you, sir. Yes. Wala. Wala. Don't. So the la here is what? Nafia or nahia? Nahia. Because the la don't. Is this the law of negation or the law of prohibition? The law of prohibition. Don't do. Not negation. This is prohibition here. And what's the origin of a prohibition? Huh? It's haram or at least the... The origin of a prohibition is forbidden. That's the... They said, Aslul Aslul Tah Aslul Nahi at Tahri. 
The origin of the prohibition is forbidden. Until there comes a text which establishes that the prohibition is a prohibition of dislike and not a prohibition of forbiddance. But there are two types of prohibitions. The Anahi al-Tahrim and then Anahi al-Takrim. You have the prohibition of forbiddance and then the prohibition of dislike. The prohibition of forbiddance, if you stay away from it, seeking the face of Allah, you get a reward. If you do it without a valid reason, opposing the commandment of Allah, you get a sin and you are entitled to be punished by Allah. If it is the prohibition of dislike, if you leave it all for the sake of Allah, you get a reward. If you do it, there's no sin and the person is not entitled to punishment because it is something that is makruh. Yes? Two types of prohibitions. Prohibition of forbiddance or al-nahi al-tahrim or al-nahi lit-tahrim. The prohibition that's there for forbiddance. Like the statement of Allah, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا zina." Don't go near adultery or fornication. When you have a girlfriend and you sleep with her, she's not your wife. Or a girl has a boyfriend and she sleeps around with him and he's not her husband. That's fornication or adultery, meaning having sexual relations outside of marriage. So you have to wait till you get married. So be patient, hang in there, alright? So that prohibition or the law here, don't, is for forbiddance. Don't go near adultery or fornication. But then you have sometimes the, the wording is a wording of forbiddance, but there is, it's not prohibited, it's a dislike. Who can give an example? Like when you, where in the text it says, don't do such and such. But what's intended is that this act is dislike and not that the act is prohibited. Who can give an example? Yes. That's nafia. No wudu for the one. That's negating the wudu. Yes. Well, it, it doesn't mention don't speak. That hadith, it mentions what the, the prophet, he disliked to speak. Well, that's a clear word where the, uh, the word dislike is mentioned. But we're looking for a text where it says don't do such and such. But what's intended is a dislike and not a prohibition. Yes. Uh, prohibition. Yes, that's Yeah. Or oh, forbiddance, that is, forbiddance. I'll give you one. 
some of the ulama who hold that praying to a sutra is not mandatory, but rather highly uh, recommended. The hadith, La tusalli illa ila sutra. Don't pray except to the sutra. So some hold the opinion that the la here, or the forbidden here, or the prohibition here is the prohibition of dislike, not a prohibition of forbiddance. Other scholars say no, the sutra is watching. Because the Prophet said, don't pray, except that you pray towards a sutra. But this is just an example. It's just as an, an example. If if the opinion is that it is mandatory, the sin, yes. But if the opinion is that it is this uh, is recommended, highly recommended, then there's no sin. Uh, and again, then you like you have to like repeat all your prayers that you miss. What? How? Like like and how far? No, don't don't give him a chance. Give him a chance. Let him finish, inshallah. Like, like before you go to um, paradise, you have to pay. Yes and no. Listen. His question is a good one. Listen, pay attention. His question is a good question. And there are two parts to answer this question. From an angle, yes. And from an angle, no. What is the angle of yes that you have to repay your prayers? The yes is from the angle that you owe them. They're negligent. So, something has to be done. So what's done? Anytime you miss an obligatory prayer and you did not make tolbo or fix the situation and you died in that state, on the day of judgment, Allah will tell the angels to look at my, the prayer of my servants. And if the prayer is incomplete, then Allah will tell the angels, go and look to see if he has any voluntary prayers. Did he do any extra prayers? If he has any extra prayers, then they will take those extra prayers can make up for the deficiency and the obligatory prayers. So that's how we repay. As for you yourself being able to pray and make them up, then no. The time of actions are over. It's over. So Once you die, that's it. Your actions are cut off. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, Adam uh, that when the child of Adam dies, his actions are cut off. Meaning that's it. Except from three things. Be patient. A continuous charity was meant by this that a person gives charity and the people still benefit from it after his death. Like a person donates some books to the master and the people they read the books. A person donates a carpet to the masjid. The people pray on a carpet. A person builds a masjid. The people they pray in the masjid and they learn in the masjid. This charity is continuing even after his death. The second is knowledge that is benefited from. Whatever you teach people and they carry that knowledge after your death, whatever they do from that knowledge that they learn from you, you get a good deed while you're in your grave. You have children, you teach your children about Islam and how to be Muslims. Every time they practice something that you taught them, you get a good deed. Uh, uh.
their adherence to the religion which you taught them, you get a good deed without taking from their reward. And the last matter is a person who leaves behind a righteous child that supplicates for him. You teach your children to be righteous. And when you die, they make dua for you. They make dua that Allah They make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mercy upon you, expand your grave, make you from the people of paradise and the like. So these three things continue even after your death. As for you being able to make up your salats that you miss after you die, no, it's not possible. Yes? A non-Muslim, no. A person who dies as a non-Muslim, we cannot make dua for them. Yes? How you know 100% sure that any Muslim will eventually end up in paradise? Because the Prophet said it. That the person who has the smallest amount of faith, he will come out of the hellfire. And then the Prophet mentioned the last of the, the Muslims to come out of the hellfire. So all Muslims will go to paradise. But now, here's the thing that we're not 100% sure of. That everyone who dies, we're not 100% sure that that person truly died as a Muslim. Although outwardly they showed that they was a Muslim, we're not 100% sure. Right now, none of us are 100% sure that every person sitting in this masjid right now is a Muslim 100 We don't know that. It's possible that there may be a munafiq, somebody pretending to be a Muslim, sitting right here in the masjid. Allah knows best. We don't treat the people like that though, but that's possible. So when a person from amongst the Muslims die, we don't say for sure, oh, he's going to paradise. We don't say that because we don't know what the person held inside of his heart. So we say we hope that the person goes to paradise. We pray that the person goes to paradise. We hope that Allah has mercy for like that. But we don't say 100% sure so-and-so is going to paradise. We don't know how the person died. If you missed it unintentionally, you can make it up. If you missed it intentionally, you cannot make it up. Huh? Even if you do it because it's outside of the proper time. And what the the prayer is ibadah as mu'aqqata. Ibadah mu'aqqata was meant by ibadah mu'aqqata, a worship that has to be done at a specific time. After that, as Allah 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 as with Allah mentioning that the prayer is at a fixed stated time, that means that that's a condition of the prayer, that the prayer has to be made in time. You can't pray before the time, you can't pray after the time, unless you have a valid excuse. What's a valid excuse? Traveling, as an example. A person is allowed to pray asr before the time of asr, in the time of duha, or a person is allowed to pray duha outside of the time of duha in the time of asr, or with Maghrib and Isha. The person is allowed to pray Maghrib in the, uh, in the time of Isha or pray Isha in the time of Maghrib. 
So this is an allowance for the traveler, or for a person who is sick, or when there is inclement weather. Uh, it's allowed to combine those prayers, bringing them forward or delaying them, depending on the situation. Uh, another valid excuse is that a person genuinely forgot the time of prayer was in, or a person unintentionally overslept. Why do I say unintentionally? Because you have some people who intentionally set their alarm clocks after the time of Fajr. This is a, 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 a tremendous and serious uh, crime and sin, that a person intentionally, Fajr comes in at 5. I'm just giving an example. It goes out at 6.30. The person sets his alarm clock to get up at 8. So he can leave the house by 9, so he can get to work by 10. He don't want to get up that early. He's breaking his sleep. He needs his beauty rest. So him intentionally setting his clock after the Salat time, means he, he intends to intentionally oversleep the time of the salat. And the ulama, you find from the ulama those who say that it is mandatory, especially upon the one who has a hard time getting up in the morning, he has to set his alarm clock if he has it. Mandatory. Because what leads to that which is obligatory is obligatory. There's a principle, Whatever an obligation is not uh, completed except with that matter, then that matter itself becomes an obligation. So this is why they say setting the alarm clock is obligatory because praying Fajr on time is obligatory. And if the alarm clock is, is what's going to wake you up to pray Fajr on time, then setting the alarm clock becomes an obligation just as praying Fajr on time becomes an obligation. Let me try to get through this and hold hold the question until try to leave some time. What time are we praying tonight? Nine. Nine. Inshallah, I'll leave some time uh, for the questions of the brothers. Tell you. So again, if the person intends that he's going to do the action tomorrow, it is prohibited for him to say that he's going to do the act tomorrow, except that he says, Inshallah. But if his intent is to just inform of what his intentions are, then it is allowed for the person to say what his intentions are without saying, Insha'Allah. The fifth and last matter. That whoever claims, the shaykh says, أَنَّ مَنِ الدَّعَى إِلْمَ الْغَيْءِ فِي الْمُسْتَقْبَلِ فَإِنَّهُ كَافِرِ Whoever claims to have knowledge of the unseen, of what's going to happen in the future, this person is a disbeliever. Sometimes you see individuals who claim they're Muslims. Baba so-and-so. Bubakar so-and-so. In the newspapers. Kufiyan, Muslim dress, and he says... He's a fortune teller and he reads palms and lights. Is this major disbelief? Small disbelief? Is this allowed? What is it? Major disbelief. Very good. Major disbelief. Why? Because the person is claiming that he has knowledge of the unseen. 
What if a person says, well, Prophet Muhammad told us about things that's going to happen in the future? Is that a proof and a justification? What you say? What if the person says, well, Prophet Muhammad, he, he spoke about things that's going to happen in the future. Why can't I? What if he says, Alhamdulillah, he has a good relationship with Allah too. Allah speaks to his heart. You don't know what to say? Get far away. <laughs> what do you say? No, 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 I didn't say that. If there is a person claiming that he can read your palm and can tell your future by reading your palm, is this major disbelief, a lesser form of disbelief, or is it okay? Okay. What if now the person, you tell him, you can't do this, this is major disbelief. He says, well, Prophet Muhammad knew the future. He uses that as an excuse to justify what he's doing. What do you say in return? Last time. Now leave him alone. Last time. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu pay attention, he used to repeat things three times. Why? For a number of reasons. One, to put emphasis and to show the importance of what he is saying. And to repeat so possibly somebody didn't hear the first time. So he repeated the second time. Maybe the person didn't hear the second time, but for sure you should hear the third time. So, I say to you, the person says, as a response to you telling him that what he is doing of reading palms and telling the future is major kufr, he responds to you by saying, well, Prophet Muhammad, he used to tell the future. What do you say in response to him? Be patient. Let the brother answer. How uh, you know... Um Prophet Muhammad um, said that for sure. Where is it documented at? In the Hadith. And the Hadith is the Quran, right? The Hadith is, uh, the explains the Quran. So, uh, I wouldn't know what to say. Then you have to run too. <laughs> Real fast. <laughs> and why I say they have to run? And get away protect their religion because they don't have the answers to respond to the person. You can't argue. When you don't have knowledge, you, you, have, you can't get into debate with people. Yes? We're going to get there. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> yes, Shay. That's one point. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was able to tell the future due to the revelation that came to him. Because Allah will reveal things to him. He was not able to just tell the future by his own will. It was only by the revelation. As Allah mentions, And he doesn't speak from his desires. It is only revelation that's revealed to him. So now what happens when the person responds and says, well, Allah speaks to me too. 
What's your response? Yes. How you know it's shaitan? I make I make my salat. I pray five times a day. I fast in Ramadan. I pay my zakat. Alhamdulillah, I've made hajj ten times. Have you made hajj ten times? Alhamdulillah, I pray at night, the night prayer. My feet get swollen. Look at my feet. I was up and praying last night, all night. What do you mean Allah doesn't speak to me? And it's shaitan. How do you know it's shaitan? Didn't Allah inspire the mother of Moses to put the... The baby in the manger and put, the, or the, the baby in the in the in the, in the yes. basket and put the basket in the river. Didn't Allah inspire the mother of Moses? Yes or no? Yes. Huh? Yes. So then people can be inspired if they're not prophets, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Didn't Allah inspire the mother of Isa? Yes. So why can't Allah inspire me to know when I look at the palm a certain way that I know what's going to happen to the person? You have to run too, huh? <laughs> no, Sheikh, it's important. We have to know how to respond to these shubuhat. Yes? But I just mentioned some incidents where other than prophets and messengers were inspired. The mother of Musa. She was inspired. Allah mentions that she was inspired in the Quran, brother. Listen, the word says inspired. The mother of Isa, she was inspired, right? Yes or no? Yes or no? What? Listen, was the mother of Musa inspired? Yes or no? Was the mother of Isa inspired? Are they prophets and messengers? So is. Hold on, let me finish. I listen to you quote the verse. So it's possible for someone other than prophets and messengers to be inspired. Yes or no? Based upon the Quran. Even the Hadith. Right? Umar al-Khattab. What was he? Muhaddath. Someone who was inspired. <coughs> so why can't I be inspired? Musa was a baby. He had what revelation? Musa was a baby. What revelation? See, now this is where you have to track the person out. From the aspect that there is no prophet and messenger after Prophet Muhammad. That's number one. As for the matter of inspiration, the ulama, they explain that what it is, is the person being given a good thought, a good idea. That's the meaning. Not revelation in the manner of the revelation that the prophets and messengers receive. As some ulama have even explained, that it's an angel that Allah sends to whisper good to the person. Like a good, if we say good intuition. Something told me not to go down that block. Times because we, every one of us, we have an angel with us that encourages us with good, and the angels that protect us. And from that is the angels when they do whisper to us not to do a certain thing, but to stay away from us. And that's from Allah's protection first and foremost, and then after the, the malaika. So you see the point here.
Number one, there's no more prophets and messengers after Prophet Muhammad sallallahu So nobody is receiving any revelation from Allah. If the person tries to say, but others were inspired, the inspiration was not revelation. Okay, the inspiration was the inspiration was a matter of bringing about a, a matter of good to it. And as for Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an, the Prophet sallallahu said that if there was to be a prophet after me, then it will be Umar. Why did the Prophet say this? Because Umar ibn Khattab, due to his righteousness and insight, he would say things or suggest matters, and then Allah would send down revelation to agree with Umar ibn Khattab suggested or what he said. But that doesn't make him a prophet, that doesn't make him one who knows the unseen and can tell the future. Yes. So what you trying to say was like the time was it when um Musa's mom, right? Of course not. Different times. So and the Quran is the speech of Allah, which is uncreated, so the Quran is not made. It's Allah's words. But somebody made the Quran by their hands. Nobody right? the Quran is Allah's words. Yes, but you mean somebody, somebody wrote the words of Allah down. Yeah. And somebody compiled the words of Allah into a book. You can say that. But nobody made the Qur'an. The Qur'an is Allah's speech, which is uncreated. We cannot say that the Qur'an is made. As for the this material that the Qur'an is covered in, that's made. The papers that the Qur'an is written upon, that's made. As for the speech itself, the Quran is not is the speech of Allah is uncreated. And that's the creed of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jamaah. We do not say that the Quran was made. The Quran is the speech of Allah. It's not made. Whenever we pick up the book, do we say this is the Quran? Yes, that's the Quran. We don't say like the people say, "Oh, that's not the Quran." No, that's the Quran. It's Allah's speech there. That's the Quran, but it's wrapped in a book. But it's still considered to be the Quran, and we still have to respect it. Yes. Yes. My question about that was like, I think I heard this story, I don't know if it was true, but like, somebody stepped on the Quran, I think, or throw it on the floor, I think, and they turned into like, they, I, I forgot, but like, their backbone was so bad. And Allah knows best. But like, what, what would happen like if you disrespect the Quran? If a person intentionally disrespects the Qur'an in that manner, then the person is no longer a Muslim. And this is me generally speaking. Number six, or the next matter. Huh? Ah, let's go back. No, no. Jazakallah khairan. So, yes. Yes, who's saying it's haram? Now, the Prophet sallallahu mentioned, Whoever goes to a Susay, man atta kahinan, wa sa'alahu an shay, la tukbalahu suratun arba'ina yawmin. Okay, maqala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is another proof we use. Whoever goes to a fortune teller, or a Susayah, and asks them anything, their prayer is not accepted for 40 days. Another hadith says, or the, another narration states, من أتى كاهنا فسأله عن شيء وصدقه فقد كفر بما 
unzila ala Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam o kama qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and whoever goes to a soothsayer and asks the person something and then he believes what the soothsayer says the person has disbelieved in that which has been revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so it's very important that number one we do not go to any soothsayers any fortune tellers whether we lose something or we're trying to find something out, we do not go to them, ask them anything. Number two, what is connected to this is the reading of the horoscopes. People read their horoscopes. A person is born at a certain time of the year, his side is such and such, and then he says, I'm going to go, I'm a Gemini. So I'm going to go read what's the horoscope for the Gemini today. Yeah, it's every day they have it there. So the person goes and reads it and it says, You're going to be coming into good fortune. And you believe, it. Oh, it's, that's some money coming. No, this is disbelief, major disbelief. But to read it, just to read it, is similar to just asking the question. And that will cause the person not to be accepted for 40 days. Just reading it. You're going to see what it says. Same thing with the fortune cookies. I know they taste good. Don't read that paper. And definitely don't believe what it says. Because look at the fortune cookie. This is different if a person is ignorant. Yes. We say, we say inshallah because we don't really know whether or not we're going to carry it out. We don't know the future. So if we intend that we're going to do the act, we have to say inshallah. But if we're only just speaking about what we, our intentions, and not that we're actually going to do it, then you don't have to say inshallah. Yes? Sometimes we have pieces of Quran here. We have a lot of kids. Sometimes they drop the Quran like little pieces. What we should do with those pieces? Burn it. And I get that from what Uthman uh, Ibn Affan did when there were differences taking place in the recitation. So Uthman united the Muslims upon one qira'ah and the rest of the Musahif, the Mus'hafs of the Qur'ans, he burnt them. Nah. So the Qur'an can be burnt. And this was by Ijma' the Sahaba. Yes. So you should burn it, you should burn it. That's the best way to get rid of it. Right, but then at the same time, once it's destroyed, and, but it's still Allah's name and stuff, Allah's words, you should burn it. You shouldn't do that. You should not do that. Throw it in the trash. You should burn it. That's the best way. <coughs> Say that again. Bury yeah, I believe, yes, unless that's from the fatwa of some of the ulama. How do we, we take care of it? We shouldn't just um, be negligent regarding the Quran. There's no certain wrap that you have to put it in, and no certain ceremony. You have to hold it a certain way, and you're raising it up onto the shelf, or you kiss it before you put it back. No, none of that. We try to put it in a place where it's not going to be damaged. You know, take care of it, you read it, you know, don't be getting food and stuff on it. Get a stand for it like that. There's nothing wrong with that.
context of the speech. Like what you just mentioned um, earlier, you look at the context, it's a negation. That whoever does not say Bismillah does not have wudu. There's no, there's no prohibition there. I mean direct. No, some ulama hold that um, that you that, that making saying Bismillah is a condition. For the wudu, other scholars, and especially from the scholars of Hadith, they view those narrations to be weak. And even though it's many narrations or different chains or routes, they say that the weakness that's there can't be it cannot be strengthened because of the severity of the weakness. And the most that can be said is that it is recommended. Due to those narrations being uh, having a severe and strong weakness, um, now rather some ulama they they point to Imam Bukhari rahimahullah in his Sahih he doesn't bring that narration that whoever does not say Bismillah he doesn't have wudu. But what narration did he bring to establish that one should say Bismillah? Before they make wudu, who knows? The narration of that mentions saying Bismillah before a man has relations with his wife. Imam Bukhari brings that narration as the proof for saying Bismillah before making wudu. How? Where's the angle of proof? Now the angle of proof is that if it is legislated for a person to say Bismillah when he's about to have relations, then even more so for the matter of purification. Because purification is more important than... No, that's not a matter. Because sperm is pure. That's what it is. But sperm is the origin of human beings. So our origin is pure. Think about it. When they used to get on the clothes of the Prophet, 
and it dried up, he just did this. He didn't wash it. He just scraped it off. No. He didn't wash it. But when the mint's blood was on the woman's clothing, he told her to wash it. Because the, the blood of menstruation is impure, while the sperm is not impure. Inshallah ta'ala, we'll stop at this point. My apologies, we're not able to get to um, any narrations from Al-Adab al-Mufrad and um, continuing with the treaties, the obligation of commanding the right and forbidding the wrong, which we're using for our minhaj classes. Inshallah ta'ala, uh, next week we will start with those books and, and then come back to Yes. If you have sex before you get married, it's a major sin. You can. So, do you want to chance it? That's the question. Having sex before you're married is a major sin. So, do you want to put yourself in a position where Allah can punish you in the hellfire? How long is the sex going to last? At the most, even if you're the strongest individual in the world, it's going to come to an end, right? So, is that time of pleasure that you're going to experience, whether it's an hour, two hours, maybe five minutes, maybe two minutes, whatever it is, is that short time of pleasure worth being in the hellfire for any amount of time? Is it worth it? No. No. So, don't don't even think about it. Inshallah ta'ala, when you're in a position to get married, you're working, you have, you have a, a stability, inshallah you have a place for a wife, we'll find you a good wife, alright? A pretty wife who's religious, how about that? Doesn't that sound better than a one night stand? <laughs>